Susan, what is your greatest fear? <laughs> um, seriously, what not not what your greatest fear is? What let's say what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of like snakes, spiders? I'm afraid of everything, but not <laughs> in that way. I okay. feel like my fear is more centered around relationship. Uh-huh. I'm not afraid of bugs, snakes, or anything like that. Um, I'm afraid of I'll say I'm a worst case scenario person. So I'm a I'm afraid of any worst case scenario. Car accident, spouse dying, kids dying, disease. <laughs> Just the minor ones. Like yeah, that, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but probably to a point of, I mean, I feel like the, anyone could be like, oh, yeah, I'm afraid of that too. But I'm like afraid of that in an unhealthy way, probably. Yeah. You know, someone's a little late coming home from something. They're obviously dead. You know, like I've always been that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're afraid of like, I don't know, what, what do you feel like? What's your Job experience? So, you know, Job, Mm -hmm. who has um, basically everything taken away from him. You know, there's this divine counsel and they're talking about Job is only faithful because he's he's getting rewarded for his faithfulness. Now, if you take away everything from him, even though he's been faithful, will he still remain faithful? Mm -hmm. And so in, in reality, everything that's taken away from him was everything that was most meaningful to him, which was, you know, family land, animals, basically his whole livelihood, everything he had reason to live for. And in the end, you know, you you come to find out Job is still faithful regardless of everything Mm -hmm. being taken away. Anyways, everything that was taken away from him was probably what he was most afraid of. Mm -hmm. But what we find out is his greatest fear is in the Lord. You know, he he trusts that the Lord is going to provide no matter what. And so obviously, we're we're not going to talk at that level. Let's talk about the, 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 Mm -hmm. the level below that is what would you be afraid of being taken away from you? Probably something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Kent. Yeah. Losing Kent. Yeah. Yeah. So losing family and is really tragic. And I'm sure you, you come up with a million scenarios mm-hmm. um, of how that would happen. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, even this morning I went for a run and a couple minutes after I left for my run, a bunch of sirens started going like ambulance, police, all this type oh, of stuff. Gosh. I didn't hear them, but when I came home, Carrie was like, I was not sure if those sirens were for you or not. You know? um, and so she was afraid like something had happened to me while I was running. I was like, why would you ever think I was on a sidewalk? Like <laughs> I wouldn't think about that, but she does. And there are moments where I think about that, her, mm-hmm. about that with her, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm like, you never know, like when you go out on a walk and that type of stuff and mm-hmm. A lot of different things can happen. So fear is definitely a dominating experience for us and yeah. can be controlling and all too consuming. So I have one question for you. Okay. How do we parent in a culture of fear? Duh, so hard. <laughs> in fairness to the listeners, this was my question to uh-huh. John. So yeah. I think he should have to answer it. You want me to answer question. it? Yeah, I can definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to lead lead off with why you asked that question. Uh, why did you ask that? I asked that question. So part of our heart for this series is to answer the questions we get asked a lot. 
But as I said a couple of podcasts ago, the biggest gift to me in youth ministry has been having my own children because it's given me um, a different perspective. And um, last week, just encountering something in parenting that I didn't know how to deal with really sent me to a place of fear. And I realized that everything in culture and and in my own disposition, some of this is just me, but realizing that we are parenting in a culture that is cultivating fear. And as a Christian, to fight against that is pretty countercultural. Because one thing I was going to say when you're asking my my greatest fear, I would say all those things are true. I think at the at the like super depth of all of that is I love to be in control. And so my greatest fear, if I really had to ask that, is probably losing all control. Yeah. Um, Some of that was happening last week of just my fear for my child was actually because I couldn't control the situation. And so that was the breakdown of like, this is undoing me because I can't change this behavior. I can't fix it. I can't make it stop, whether that's true or not. You know, like that's the fear inside of me of like, obviously I have a role in that. But that was the thing that was fueling this fire for me. And I thought, I know I'm not alone in this. And this is what parents are dealing with at varying degrees of levels where I'm dealing with a five-year-old. I can only imagine what that's like with a 15 year old when you're dealing with some like really hard stuff and it's living in your house. Like we get to deal with that all the time, but our investment's different. Um, they're not yeah. our child and that's just hard. So I'm like, this is a worthwhile question. Well, yeah, I, I think you've already stated it. <laughs> Everybody's greatest fear is losing control. It's why we fear getting older. Uh, all of a sudden you don't control your bladder anymore. Uh, you know, uh, we all fear, you know, not being able to use our bodies in the way that we used to be able to use them. We're losing control of our bodies. It's like why we, our knees break down and we're really sad. Not that it's like, I'm not really sad that I can't run anymore. I'm sad that I can't, I don't have the choice to go run anymore. Yeah. You know? And that's what I hear from like my dad who's having knee problems. It's like, I don't want to run, but. If I wanted to, I would like to have control over that. (laughs) I think that's everybody's greatest fear is like talking from the the top down is, you know, everything comes back to losing control. And being a parent of a teenager is you feel like, you know, uh, for the first 10 years of their life, you had a a fair amount of control over your kid. In in most situations, probably in this part of the country, in this part of St. Louis, that is definitely um, the, the the normal experience. Let's put it that way. That's not true for everybody. That's the normal experience. And then what happens when they hit like 11, 12, 13 is they d- start to develop a mind of their own and they start to pull away. And so the, all the control you thought you had is now stripped from you because all of a sudden they have their own opinions. Mm-hmm. Why parenting a, a teenager is so hard, I'm guessing, I'm not a parent of a teenager, but I spent a lot of time with them is you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's why for us, it's hard for us to create events. It's like, we can't control if these kids are going to come or not. Right. Because they can say to mom or dad, I don't want to go. And they won't go unless mom or dad makes them. And in some cases that's true. In some cases it's not. Mm -hmm. But in reality, probably one of the hardest things of raising a child is you're handing off 
more control into their own lives and you have less control in their lives. And it's hard to let go of that because this is, these are the kids you care about the most, which are your own. And this is going to be the reality for Susan and I in about, you know, five, six, seven years for our first kids. And we're going to have to watch them take control more and more of their lives. And so it's our job, you know, um, hopefully between now and then is to help them when they start to have control, that they start making good decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, But knowing because they'll be teenagers, they'll definitely make some bad ones in between (laughs) here and there. Uh, I guarantee that. If they don't, I would assume something's wrong. (laughs) So that's that's the first thing. And so when you say that, I definitely that's true of everybody. Nobody likes to lose control. And that's everybody's Mm -hmm. greatest fear. I would also say, this is kind of like a side note, is that's why it's so hard to be a Christian mm-hmm. because you're, you're not in control of your salvation. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's, it's easier to follow another God, mm-hmm. one that is wanting appeasement from you because it's all in what you do. Right. If you are a capable human being, you can control your salvation. And what we as Christians believe is the reality that like, we don't have control. Like we're not in control of ourselves because the sin has gone so deep into who we are. We can't control it, which is why we need Jesus. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why we shouldn't have fear of our salvation. We shouldn't have fear in this life because we know somebody else is in control which is amazing. Mm. But because we're sinful, we forget that a lot. All of us forget that a lot. Mm-hmm. How does it come out? And, and in some ways, you know, the Lord can create fear in us in a good way as well. You know, he can, mm-hmm. he can put a fear in us so that we can worship him better. Right. I think our fear is actually a good sign of where are we at in our relationship with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it... Am I fearful that I'm going to lose control over my own life and I don't want to live a different life? It's like, well, you know, this life is fleeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't worry about that so much. I would much rather set a priority like as long as I'm good and healthy, I don't care if I have these things or those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all too often put our priorities on these things or those things and not really worrying about the salvation of my kids. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk about fear in general. So I read this or I heard this. I don't remember. Sometimes I listen to audiobooks and I don't remember if I heard it or read it, but I remember coming across somebody talking about emotions and fear in general. And fear in general is uh, one of the strongest emotions we could feel. And what we should do with that feeling is ask ourselves, why are we fearful? Why are we fearful of this moment? And what that could tell you is what you find value in. Mm-hmm. You're, you're afraid of losing a child mm-hmm. because you value that child. And so that's why you should, you flip the emotion around to, to help you, you know, set a value system for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid of not being able to run tomorrow because I enjoy running and I enjoy keeping my body healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's 
my favorite way of keeping my body healthy and I don't want to I don't want to bike ride because I hate getting on bikes so I, on, on a spectrum you know um, you can think about fear as um, a leading example of what you find value in mm. so if you're afraid of let's say you're afraid of snakes mm-hmm. why would you be afraid of snakes Susan I'm not afraid of snakes but I guess you'd be afraid that they would bite you <laughs> But but why? But why would you be afraid? They might kill you. They might kill you. Um, or again, it all trickles back like you would lose control of your body. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't fight the venom on itself. I need the antivenom. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. Why is that funny? Uh, I don't know that. <laughs> it just was. You know, I I've. <laughs> Here's why I'm afraid of snakes. Every time I've encountered a snake, it's always been while I'm alone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like running on a trail and there's like a copperhead or water moccasin like right on the trail. And I've, I've always thought like, and I put myself in the situation as I'm running, I I come across the snake and it's like sitting on the side of the trail and I have to go uh, across it. Um, if I wanted to continue the run, most people are like, forget it. I'm not going to run. But for me, it's like, it's not a choice. And so I keep running and I run past it. And as I run past it, nothing happens. But here's what goes through my mind for the next 15 minutes on the run. What would I do if that snake bit me? Because the more I keep running, the faster it runs through the blood system. I learned that in Boy Scouts. And the faster it runs through your blood system, the faster it's the venom's going to take effect and it would kill you. And so what they actually say is, like slow the heart down so it doesn't pump as fast. And, you know, there's always the technique of like cutting and like sucking the venom out. Ah, ah. <laughs> I hope I don't ever get to that point. It's, uh, I always end up thinking like, how long do I think I can muscle this out? Like, can I, can I hike up the trail? <laughs> this has become a very real fear for you. What? No, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been through this before. Yeah, I've been through this before and it's been on several occasions. That's why. <laughs> I've never actually been bit. I've been bit by a snake, but not by a venomous snake. And so I, I, I start to spiral down and, and like, what would I do? What, worst case scenario, what would happen? Do I feel like I'd be strong enough to like find somebody? Uh, would I just lie there hoping somebody would come across me? I'm on a remote trail, so likely not. But that's probably the best way to handle that is you don't want to get the blood pumping. So you have to relax. I feel like I could relax, but I don't want to wait that long. I don't want to do a 127-hour thing where I'm just sitting there hoping somebody comes along and then I have to chop off my own arm. Uh, it's kind of getting gross. <laughs> but fear, not, nonetheless, like consumed me for those next like 15 minutes yeah. uh, because I got a glimpse of a snake. And I can tell this story like very vividly. And it happens all the time when you're running on trails as you come across deadly creatures. You know, I've, I've come across a wolf um, and I, I, I could, I, I could, uh, I, I could go into that story, but I, I love those stories and I love those experiences and uh, they create like not fond memories, but like very vivid memories because, you know, fear is a very strong emotion that we all feel. And I'm fearful in those moments because I value my life and, you know, I value the people that I have in my life. And if I were to someday die, and I I will, if I were to someday die um, on a freak accident like that, what would happen to everybody I'm in relationship with? What would happen to Carrie? What would happen to my kids? What would happen to all my friends? Like, how would they respond to that? It'd be tragic. And for some people, it'd be very hard. Some people, you know, like, well, that's what you get for running in the woods by yourself, you know? (laughs) Um, It's... 
so it, it sets it up. But the other thing is, and this is where I want to shift, is fear is, uh, somebody said that fear is opening the same part of the brain as when you feel attraction to something. Like when you are, you know, meeting a boy or a girl for the first time and you're, you're attracted to them, like love at first sight, it opens up the same part of the brain as if you, you have like a fearful moment. Like if you're jump scared, it's the same emotion and experience to your brain as if you saw somebody you thought was attractive. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, what we can say about that is we love that feeling. It's like we love like feeling the feeling of attraction. And so we, we tend to gravitate towards those things. And if that's the same emotion of feeling in the brain, when we experience fear, that's why you have adrenaline junkies. Mm -hmm. Is it they like a roller coaster to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to ride it, but you're terrified. Yeah, you 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 want to you want to avoid it, but at the same time, you have like this odd mm -hmm. feeling of like this is this is enticing to me. And so we've all of a sudden, like where we're at right now, is we're in a culture of fear mm -hmm. uh, because we genuinely love it, or our brains are just naturally attracted to it. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know how to control it and we let it consume everything that we are and not in the healthy sense. So we can say fear is good if it is leading to us to sustaining life. Mm -hmm. However, if fear is creating a hindrance in relationship that there shouldn't be a hindrance, that's bad fear. And right now, that's the culture of fear that's dominating, it seems like. If you look at news, I mean, the news makes their money based off of fear. How can, we, all how can we create our viewers afraid of something? Like if you turn on the news in St. Louis, there's nothing ever good to report. Even when, like, let's say the Cardinals or the Blues are doing well, and they are, uh, there's always a negative twist on it. You better... You better watch now before they start to get bad. You know, it's like we want to make you fearful that this is the only time they'll ever be good. Even something so small as that. And then it's like, you know, so-and-so got shot. So-and-so got carjacked. Even though this is like 100 miles from you, we want you to make it feel like it happened in your backyard. Mm -hmm. um, it's how they hook you in. That's how they hook you in. Coming well, back from the news like at five and six and ten. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I check the news every morning. Uh, when I wake up and just to see like what's happened and almost nothing has ever, uh, not nothing, but like if I check the news before I go to bed and I check the news in the morning, almost nothing has happened. Mm -hmm. Not, not in St. Louis, but like I also check like BBC to see what happens around the world. So we're addicted to it. We're addicted to fear. So I'm going to circle back, Susan. We've talked a lot about it, the actual emotion, experience mm -hmm. of fear. So how do we, we parent in mm -hmm. admits to that? To like, how do we parent well, especially teenagers, mm -hmm. with that being such a dominant emotion and experience mm -hmm. that can be good, but also can be very destructive? Mm. That's a really good question. Well, you said something earlier about it's a good marker on our relationship with God, like where we are when we're feeling fear. And when you said that, it made me think of 
college, I got obsessed with thinking about, I was never worried if I was going to heaven or hell. Like I knew I was God. So I was worried about that, but I would get obsessed with thinking about eternity. And like the concept of never ending was like tripping me out. Like I, it, I didn't like it. It would make me feel anxious. It would like, I would feel like a pressure in my chest and feel like I'm going to have an anxiety attack thinking about this. Like we never end. There's no ending. Ha. Huh? And um, I remember getting brave enough to talk to one of my guy friends about it, who was a strong believer. And I, I was like, we were driving in his car. And I remember saying, like, do you ever get nervous about eternity? Like, does that freak you out at all? Like, it's really kind of stressing me out. And it was very direct. And in the moment, it could have hurt my feelings. And it did a little bit. But I've thought about it a lot. He said, no, because I, I know who God is. And he hmm. said it kind of like <laughs> harshly. Yeah. But it was what I needed because I realized what he was saying is like, why would you be afraid of someone that, you know, loves you? Like his, his bigger narrative there was to say, like, why would we be afraid of what we know is going what we're going to is going to be better than we could ever dream? And like the person who designed it is the one who made you and like made your heartbeat for those moments, like mm. for eternity. He's like created this thing like it actually doesn't make sense to me that you would be afraid of that. Like he could not, he could not engage with me on it at all. And I was like, Oh, and so it started this wheel inside my mind of like, what am I missing about God? What am I missing here? That's like the disconnect of like who God really is. And like where my fear is like, what's feeding the fear and not actually feeding the relationship. Mm. What's where's the disconnect. And so, um, I think when you said that, it made me think of that moment of like our fear is actually a really cool opportunity because we're not going to not be afraid. I'm not. I'll say that for me. I'm not not going to be afraid in parenting because that is like my favorite pet emotion. Yeah. And so um, I think it actually if we're going to ask the question, how do we parent in a culture of fear? I think it actually could be an exciting invitation to actually go back and say, what's going on actually with me and God, instead of like, how do I enter this culture? Cause it's, there's like everything to be afraid of. Like yeah. I can't think of one situation there's not to yeah. be afraid of, but it actually starts to be an opportunity to say, what does it look like to actually push closer? Even you bringing up Job to push closer to the heart and character of God and say, what am I missing here? Like, why am I so afraid and what would it look like to move deeper in relationship, even if my greatest fear comes true? What is still true about God? Yeah. And I think that's where I'm wrestling with right now. Um, Carrie, John's wife, actually was sharing with that with me this weekend because I'm a what if person. But like, well, what if this happens? And then like, what if this happens because of that? And like the what ifs never stop. Mm. And she was sharing someone she'd heard talk about that shifting your theology of your mind to be the, even if, even if this happens, even if my greatest fear comes true, that doesn't change who God is. And actually that sounds really simple to say in a podcast or in a conversation, but I thought about that of the reality of shifting my mind to think more about that relationship instead of my relationship with fear, <laughs> like shifting my energy of how am I going to, how am I going to combat all the things? So Jack is about to go to school for the first time he's in preschool, but he's going to go to full day school. 
And my mind has been littered with every scenario that could go wrong at a new friend's house, in school, walking home from school. It's never going to stop. And so shifting our focus on the what ifs to like who's actually holding all this in his hands and like thinking more through that. I think it's actually an opportunity to settle in more there than into the fear. But I think getting there, the disconnect and the like ability to camp out there is the challenge. And that's where I'm sitting right now of like, that sounds really good. That sounds really good. But where, how do I put legs to that? thought yeah you know like well I am going to be afraid if Jack goes and spends the night at friend's house and I don't really know his family and like are they do they have guns in their house I was thinking about that the other day because of the story you told oh like oh my gosh what if my kid goes to house and their family has guns and they don't lock them up I will think of any scenario and run with it and like what's the opportunity there for me with my relationship with God because again this comes back to what we said at the beginning it's actually about control And something else that John and I were talking about as we were thinking about this podcast is the realization of a lot of my fear stems about myself, like care for myself. My, my fear is like, oh my gosh, if my, if anything happened to my children, what would that do to me? Mm. You know, like obviously my care is for my children. I want them to be safe and cared for and loved. But if I keep digging my greatest fear is I couldn't handle that. I couldn't deal with that. I could not go on if blank happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think I always think back to, to Job. I think mm. it is, I mean, he was obviously mourning over all those things and, but it was never like, they never alluded to fear as one mm. of his personality mm. traits. He was never afraid. He was definitely sad and hurt, um, but he was always trusting in the Lord. And I think that's part of what that wisdom literature um, misses out on. And granted, it doesn't, Job doesn't encompass everything. That is uh, one piece of scripture that is worth looking into as far as what does it look like to lose all control and how do you still keep your faith in, in, in light of all that? And, I think fear and what's good about it is, is I remember when I was in high school, you know, almost a Christian. And one of the things that was like holding me back, you know, obviously letting, letting go of control. Um, it was realizing like, I might lose all these people, Mm. like all these friends and family that I have that aren't Christians. Mm. And I was, I remember sitting there like, would I rather not be in communion with the Lord and be with these people or be in communion with the Lord and might be with these people if, mm. you know, they become Christians Yeah, um, and I'm talking about eternity. Yeah. Right. And that was like what I genuinely struggled with and was my biggest hang up as why it took me so long to come to come around to it. And it came down to that is the most important relationship is mm-hmm. your relationship with the Lord, because that's, that's the person who is a control. Mm-hmm. What's scary about that is being in relationship with him. You might have to watch some things you love go away. 
And that could be anything from a relationship with a parent, a relationship with a sibling, a relationship with a friend. And I don't want to see that happen, which is a character trait of who God is. You know, he's like, he doesn't want that to happen because he created it to be good. And, you know, um, it's been, it's been broken down over these years. And, and that's, that's really hard to watch, but we have to remember like as scared as I am to watch like the old pass away, uh, we have to remember that the new is coming Mm -hmm. and it's hard to sit in that because we're sitting in part of the old. Mm -hmm. We could get into how, what your view of (laughs) end times is supposed to be. (laughs) We're not going to get into that, but uh, we're sitting in the not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the, if we talk about the already and the not yet, you know, we were talking about this yesterday is, you know, there, there's a time to come where Jesus will return and things will be restored and, and put back in the rightful place. And it'll be something we can't even fully grasp, but it'll be so much better. Um, it'll be, um, everything will be ideal and perfected in the way it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. But, and we have that to look forward to. And in some sense, we're already there. But in the not yet part is there is depravity and there is death and there is all this stuff happening. Um, and we have to sit here and watch it right now. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. And the fear of that going away is because you don't want that to happen. Right. And neither does the Lord. And that's where we're at with this is we always have to come back and remember the Lord is in control. Mm-hmm. He is in control of me, you, the world. Mm-hmm. No matter how much death we're seeing right now mm-hmm. and depravity we're seeing right now and how much the way it's not supposed to be is happening right now, that's not the end. Right. Uh, that's not the end of the story. To parent in this mm-hmm. culture is to remind students, this isn't it. Mm-hmm. This isn't everything. This is not the way it's supposed to be but we have hope and you're a part of that. Like even as a teenager, you're a part of that hope because Mm -hmm. if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're part of the redemption story. And this is hope we have to come. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I view it. And that doesn't change whether they're teenagers, little kids, adults, that is everybody's reminder that when we don't have control, that's good because we don't have to be in control. Mm -hmm. That's part of our faith is that, God is in control of all this. Absolutely. It would be worse if we were in control. Yeah. <laughs> scarier. Well, we've, we've so tried. Scarier. We've tried. And that's yeah, um, the Lord. Successful. He gave us control when he put us mm-hmm. in, the, in the garden. And we failed immediately, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's, so well. um, that's where we are now, you know, coming. He's redeeming that, mm-hmm. you know. He's working on that and restoring that. So we're anticipating what's yeah. to come. Going back to Job, you asked me about what was my Job moment, and I was thinking about, I won't bore everyone with all the details of a Job moment for myself, but I will tell you something that somebody said some said to me that as we answer this question, I think it's really helpful. Um, they were saying, they were kind of making fun of me. Because they were like, man, you've grieved so much stuff in your life. Like whenever it happens, you'll be good to go because you've been sad about it for like a decade. <laughs> and I was like, wow, OK. Um, but they were saying, you got to remember, God is not a God of hypotheticals. So like 
if I'm hypothetically or if I'm terrified of the hypothetical endless options of things that could happen, go wrong, be bad with my kids, God's grace doesn't meet me there. The, the land of hypothetical doesn't exist. And so like, I don't have the same care in those moments that I would if God led me there. Like mm-hmm. if God, if God's story for me and my family is something hard, not, and not even as like traumatic as like a death, not even, I'm not even talking about that. Just like something hard or like relational stress with my kids or whatever it is going to be fill in the blank. His grace doesn't meet me there because he hasn't given that to me. And that's been really helpful to me as someone who's an anxious person because that I can get out of control with the hypotheticals, even like what I was saying about like the what ifs, but to remember that God's grace meets me with what he actually gives me. And so not to say that we like respond perfectly or feel totally cared for or fine about whatever happens, whatever God brings to us, but his grace is different in the hypotheticals and our fear and our what if crazy town spiral that we go to versus what God actually brings to our family. He gives us the community we need. He gives us the grace we need. He gives us the response, whatever, good or bad. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying we respond perfectly, but his grace is different in reality than it is in our hypotheticals. Mm. And that shift for me was really helpful to say, the reason my fear can start to get out of control in the hypothetical land is because God's not actually with me in that. He's with me in my anxiety. I'm not saying he's separate from me, but that fake scenario that I'm worried about isn't actually reality. And he's a God that's very present with us in our reality and yeah, the, the yeah. story he's given us. So like that was also actually really helpful for me to remember that yeah. like our hypothetical world is very different than yeah. the reality of um, what God has for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, that's so true. I think we spend too much time in the hypothetical. Yeah. And so does the news. And yes. all the fear is like, this could happen to you. You know, like that's where it always. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yeah. because we can actually control our hypothetical a little bit, even though we're fearing it, it's like, I'm actually, contr- even in like my weird, crazy spiral, I'm actually control of what's happening in the hypothetical. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a weird, in some way, it's a weird form of control. And yeah. I don't know enough about like the, what's going on in your brain behind that. But personally, I've realized like if I start obsessing about something, I actually am realizing I'm trying to control a situation that hasn't happened because I'm like formulating it all in my mind of like, how am I dealing with this situation that's actually not even happening? And so it's back into, I can control this hypothetical thing, which actually is coming back to serve me. Yeah. It's not actually about anybody else. It's actually about my need and feeding my own control which I think is something as parents we have to keep taking to the Lord. I mean, it's just, I feel like this is going to come up in every podcast, but I am more and more convinced the older I get of how powerful prayer is and how it is our least and most underused asset. I've, I've really tried to start taking my fear and say like, this is an opportunity to take this to the Lord because like, I'm not going to, be able to think my way out of this. Like I just got to take it to him because yeah. I've got nothing. Fear, fear in the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. They say, yeah, fear <laughs> in the Lord. And that doesn't mean be afraid of God. It means trust that 
is bigger than any other fear, mm-hmm. which is why you should have your greatest fear in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I was tracking with you, but yeah, you, you, you think I want to put it down? <laughs> that's yeah, fear in the Lord. That's that's the priority. Mm-hmm. Fear is inevitable, mm-hmm. but fear in the Lord is the most important. Mm-hmm. And that's how I would parent Mm -hmm. in a culture of fear. I think, too, parenting, I'm talking a lot about how do you navigate your own mind as a parent, but I also think as a parent, when fear, when our fears come true with our kids, whether that's like, you know, fear of mine is I don't want my kids to not have friends. Like, that's a really baseline fear, but that's a big fear. I'm like, they have really good friends. Like, I, that's I a, pray for them that they yeah. have good, godly friends. And that's a good thing to be afraid of. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm like, if they don't, if they have no friends or terrible friends or whatever, I think also remembering, and I keep saying this word a lot, but I'm like, these are all opportunities to bring the gospel to bear of like, if my kids are lonely at school, if they have just not good friends, that is always an opportunity to bring the gospel into their story. Like it's not just about my fear. They have fear. They, my, or my fears being lived out in front of me. It's like, this is always an opportunity to bring Jesus into that scenario because God doesn't give us easy roads. He, he doesn't on purpose because that's the way that we don't feel control. You know, like it brings us to our knees to say like, I need you. Like, I'm in fifth grade. I have no friends at my lunch table. How do I deal with that? Yeah. Hopefully I will have the words for my kids. If that's the reality, you know, yeah. it's like that's a place that Jesus can actually meet them. But. Well, yeah. And, and with thinking about Jesus, he's on his way to his death. You know, he was afraid, Yeah. but his fear in the Lord was much greater Yeah. that he went with the greater sense of fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's what we get from that is you know um, we're gonna be afraid we're gonna be afraid of a lot of things, but it, where the road stops should not uh, be all those little fears, but should be in that greater fear. Um, yeah. And you see that all over the place in Scripture. You know, a, a faithful person or the giants of the faith, as we like to call them, that's where they stopped things that they were afraid of a lot of things. You know, Moses was afraid to take the leadership of the Israelites, Mm -hmm. but in the end he took leadership and, you know, he needed convincing, Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously. Well, I can't do this. And the Lord's like, let me show you. Remember I'm in control. And if you remember that you have nothing to fear. Mm -hmm. And eventually he did. And he led them through, but you know, he kept falling away from that every once in a while. And, but in the end, who we see as the most faithful in scripture are those that when it came to the last thing, their last bit of faith and fear was in the Lord above all things. Mm-hmm. Not that that's an easy task. <laughs> <laughs> we make it sound easy. It's not an easy task, but it's nonetheless something to remember mm-hmm. um, when you're afraid of something. And um, I think that's a great point. It's so helpful for me to go back. God is so kind, even in scripture, to give us examples of people who really are afraid. Like, even when you were saying that, I'm like, we have got so Moses, Peter. I mean, any anybody in the Old Testament, like, they're like, 
God, this sounds crazy. Or you really want me to do this? I don't know about this. Jonah, yeah. Noah. I mean, like it doesn't stop. Everyone's always like, God, are you sure about this? Yeah. Um, but he's kind to give us those examples to say like fear is normal. That's okay. Cause that's real. That's part. There's of things being, to be afraid of in this world. There's things to be afraid of. That's part of what we're dealing with here. But at the end of all those stories, realizing that they said, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. Like you've got this and go dig up your Bible and see what happens. Those are yeah. all great. Coming, coming back to our first episode. Yes. Get in your Bible. <laughs> get in your Bible. Uh, uh, really? Like that's one of the big reasons why, you know, you see, you have empathy with every single character in the Bible. Yep. Uh, if you read it deep enough, I don't know if I have much empathy for Samson, but <laughs> Uh, I, maybe with the hair your thing. Hair, I, like, I your love it. I did think when I was in high school, if I cut my hair, I would perform worse. <laughs> and because it was such a psychological mess for me, it was, <laughs> this is real. This is a placebo effect. Oh, Let's put it that way. Okay. Every time I cut my hair, the, the competition right after that, it was my worst. <laughs> that, so yes, empathy with Samson. I, I remember that. <laughs> I, I, liter- I took that literally like, we should all grow our hair out. Oh gosh! And we should <laughs> never cut it, because the the Lord will leave us, and we won't be as strong. And and I thought I thought that was so true for so long, <laughs> like true for everybody. And yeah, so I'm it, glad you kept reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I kept reading. I keep reading that. Well, it wasn't. I I of course I kept reading. It was more of like. I had people speaking to my life, John, that's not true. Like, that's not true of you. You're not Samson. You're like, like, ah, but I want to. He's so cool, you know. <laughs> I, I, he was also kind of destructive. <laughs> so, nonetheless, I think that's good. Fear in the Lord, always. Yep.